0: My guest this week on the show is Alex Smith, founder of Basic Arts. Alex has written a book on the subject called The No Bullshit Strategy, and he's spoken on TEDx about the subject of strategy. And I think if you're like me, most of us sometimes struggle to understand what that word means and how we articulate this to our clients and to ourselves. So in this week, we're going to focus on things like the reasons you need to create a diverse value curve what top-of-the-funnel strategy means, and the importance of strategy both for you and for me as owners of small businesses. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. This is the Training Business Podcast. And every Thursday, we interview guests. Sometimes it's an episode with me. And the goal of the show is to help you wherever you are on the journey of developing programs, products, and services which you sell and monetize for your clients. And if you're someone who's on the cusp of doing this, you're in the right place. If you're already doing this, you're in the right place. So stick with me today and my guest, Alex Smith, as we dive into the world and word of strategy. So you come away with understanding what that word is and the implications for your business. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me. Great to uh, be here. The reason we're talking, uh, quite a few reasons, in fact, I was struck by the cover of your book, which um, has quite a compelling title, The No Bullshit Strategy. That might be um, edited out by my editor, but uh, that's the cover of the book. And you describe yourself online as someone who helps organizations with strategy, big word. Um, And you say that what you help people to do is to get unstuck, make bold moves and escape the competition. You're a consultant, which of course, is something that um, connects you to the rest of us. You have your own business, you work with clients. Let's start with, um, with that first of all, Um, working for yourself, what got you to the point where you felt you want to, you know, work for yourself? Um, You have a corporate background. And now you are the founder of an organization called Basic Arts.
1: Well, I mean, it's probably a pretty similar story to what uh, to what most uh, most of your listeners had. You know, I was um, working in, uh, well, in my particular case, I was working in the agency world, like marketing agencies, and I was the strategy director of an agency and. Obviously, you start to develop your own theories, your own ways of doing things, and those don't necessarily align with the with the with the specialism of the agency that you're working for or the company that you're working for. So you think, oh, well, I can go and do exactly what I want to do myself. And, and in my case, uh, being a strategy director of a sort of marketing ad agency is not at all similar to what I'm doing now. Because we're talking about the distinction between, you know, sort of strategy for an ad or a campaign versus strategy for a business, and what you find, what I found, is that, and this is this isn't a bad thing at all. I'm going to make it sound like a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Find that the the game of you know creative agencies is to pretty much put lipstick on the pig. You know, businesses will come to you and they say, "Here we are. Here's what we are. Here's the product that we sell. We need you to make us." look good. That's not the way they phrase it. Of course, fundamentally, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to put a spin on a brand on a product to show it in the best possible light in the context of an ad or whatever. Now, implicit within that is the suggestion that the business itself is in some way flawed, that it can't quite sell itself that they aren't, they aren't shifting some product that is just such a slam dunk, Offering to the market that people will just buy it regardless of the advertising and any sort of polish or flair mm-hmm. that you can put on top of it. So that is the realm of sort models. Sort uh, that is the realm more of business strategy. Actually, creating an offer in the first place that perhaps doesn't even really need creative marketing. So that's what I got interested in. I was interested in, hmm, well, what is the difference between The occasional client that we get where we don't really have to do any very clever creative work or thinking because that business is essentially sells itself versus the 95 percent of other clients we have where well frankly it's more fun because you have to do more insightful clever things in order to make it look exciting so as the agency you don't want to have a strategically well set up business come to you because where's the fun in that you know people think that i don't know ad ad, ad ad agencies they think that they want to have red bull as a client but actually if you have red bull as a client you you don't get to do anything clever or creative they just tell you what to do and you say yes sir and off you go you know you want to have slightly less interesting uh, businesses as clients so off i went then to try and actually sell the strategy directly to the clients at the higher level so that we could help them develop uh, offers which were sort of inherently desirable and inherently worked in the market before you even got down to the level of advertising and all that kind of stuff.
0: Before we talk about your book then you're in the same boat as as most of us which is that you're which is to say you work for yourself you're a consultant. When it comes to strategy that's something that uh, many consultants people working for themselves as coaches facilitators trainers might neglect because we're so in the weeds as solopreneurs. We run our own own businesses. We're doing marketing. We're doing accounting, sales, uh, product design, etc., etc. What is the importance of strategy to someone running a business, particularly a small business? Well, it's obviously
1: a really crappy word which sort of means whatever people want it to mean and that's why people struggle with it because they don't actually have a clear idea of okay well oh I need to do a strategy well what actually is that what actually is that thing so I think this is the the first of many reasons why people neglect this it's nothing to do with sort of ability or anything it's just like you don't even really know what you're meant to be doing so the way that I look at it which I think is by far the most simple way of looking at it is essentially Look, if you can sell something that people want, but also they cannot get anywhere else, then by definition, you'll have a great business on your hands, right? That's, that's, that's a pretty simple formulation. So of course, and that, and that doesn't apply like 99% of businesses don't achieve that. You know, 99% of businesses are either selling something which, okay, it might be unique, but. Ultimately, the market size isn't very, isn't very big, or it isn't super compelling or exciting to their customers or to their potential customers. Or even more commonly, they're selling something that people do want. Fine, but people can get that from loads and loads of other places, and hence you're in a constant battle uh, of saying "Pick me, pick me." However, you do that by working harder, by spending more on advertising, by hitting the phones, whatever it might be. Right? That, that is the normal way of operating for most businesses. So. The idea that you could be selling something that people want and that they can only get from you, that is fantasy for most businesses. But you can imagine how if that was you, life would be pretty easy. And actually, this whole sort of business game, regardless of what industry or category you're in, you would be like, well, this is a this is a piece of cake. So all that strategy is, in my view, is the manner in which you achieve that that uh, that aspiration, the manner in which you find something that people want, but that they also can't get elsewhere, Uh, finding some unique value that you can give to the market. Now, if we think about that in the context of a solo consultant, let's say. So let's say that you're a solo consultant in, oh, I don't know, sales or brand. Well, that's fine. But we all know that there's a million of them about and so then the question becomes, okay, well, why, why are you going to be chosen? Uh, and the fact of the matter is, if regardless of what you might say, if the client perceives that lots of people can do that job that they're shopping for, then you're going to be in trouble. It doesn't mean you can't make a good career out of it because, of course, there are loads of different levers you can pull to win business, uh, but you're always going to be fighting an uphill battle. And most people, they do do their entire career fighting an uphill battle of trying to get people to pick them over other options, which are similar to them. So all that strategy is, is finding a way, if you can, of stopping fighting that battle and just being like, look, at the end of the day, what I do is X. If you want that, I'm the only person who can do it. You can come and get it from me. I'll charge what I like, uh, and we'll all have, it. and you know, everybody wins essentially. Or if you're unstrategic, you're just hustling and battling the whole time. You can be successful both ways. You don't need to have a strategy in that respect. But clearly, if you can achieve that, it would uh, be
0: preferable. When people think of strategy, uh, that's true for me, what I think of as something like a document, it's it's written, it's a vision statement. It's um, something where I've almost locked myself away and I've come up with this grand plan. Um, you've used the word no bullshit strategy, which sounds like it's making something terrifying, less terrifying. First of all, what what does a strategy actually contain? If someone said to me, okay, I've listened to the podcast with, with uh, Alex, and um, I'd love to know what, what when I have a strategy, what does that look like? How is it defined? Mm. What does it contain? What does that tell me so I can use it with um, my co-owners or my uh, family and and to uh, help them help them to help me as a consultant survive.
1: Sure, sure. So the first thing thinking about that sort of no bullshit term uh, and the way that I approach it is the first thing that I do, and this is for my own benefit. It's <laughs> more than anyone else's. Is every word that you've ever heard associated with the field vision mission purpose proposition blah 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 all of that stuff just forget it Mm -hmm. um i know that it's really helpful for a lot of people and so like this is very much about what you're into but i don't use any pre-established vocabulary because all of that stuff has got these sort of slippery meanings which mean one thing to one person, one thing to another, and this is how people tie themselves in knots, right? Bin all of that off and just start with the simple question of, okay, what is the unique value that we're going to provide to the market? That is the thing that you need to develop. So when you actually then have the strategy, what that is actually going to look like as a thing is essentially an argument whereby whereby you're saying, look, what our business does is, such and such. Now, uh, the issue with our industry is such and such, but what we've noticed is that this other thing is true. Therefore, if we do this, then we will be able to, um, you know, achieve this. So you, you have a sort of argument structure like that. So I got, rather than speaking in abstractions, I'll give you, uh, my own example. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a strategy consultant. Okay, that's the thing. That's an industry that's out there. Uh, So uh, how do I differentiate from uh, the other strategy consultants? And I mean, there's a lot of detail to it, but the big picture, uh, which is, of course, what strategy is, it's the big picture, simple version, is that I've noticed something that I think that other people in strategy haven't noticed, which is that strategy is 50% choosing what the right thing to do is, you know, actually deciding what you're going to do is, what the strategy is. But that's, that isn't the whole story. That's only half the story. The other half of the story is that it's 50% motivation or inspiration, because it's one thing to decide what the thing to do is, but it's a very different thing to get your team to actually get off their ass, put energy into it and do it. Or even if it, even, even if it's just yourself, that inspiration could apply to yourself, so strategy to me is actually 50% an inspirational game, whereas the entire strategy industry out there is set up as if it's a purely technical discipline. So like, and, and and I'm not saying that the way that they do strategy is wrong or anything, maybe it's better than me, but they'll be like, okay, because of all this complicated work and thinking we've done, we have determined that X is the right course of action. Fine. Okay. But that is, that's completely useless. If that's not going to light a fire in the belly of people who actually have to go out there and execute, so what I do is I think, okay, how can I talk about strategy using all under the hood using all the same kind of good strategic theory that any that any kind of uh, technical strategist would use, but present it in a way that actually provokes action, and if that means actually being a little bit wrong or a little bit too simplistic. Or whatever, in the way that I frame things, that's fine because I would rather be a bit wrong, but actually have the person be like, "Hell yeah, I'm going to go do that," than be perfectly right and have them go, "Nah." So, 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 so that, for example, is is my strategy. Okay, and so that means that my output looks very, very different from other
0: consultants in the space. When someone has a strategy, somewhere. It's it's conceived. um, It's been designed. Where does it live, and who uses it? And the reason I'm asking this is because, to many people, strategy is something internal. It's something that we design for ourselves, for our own consultancy, our own training company. Uh, We don't show it to clients, or is that true?
1: Um, Sort of half true. So, to be super literal about it, I would have your strategy be. An actual, you know, couple of pages of A4 typed hmm. in a narrative format. I don't want to. I don't want to see any decks. I don't want to see any diagrams. Nothing of that. It should that thing that I just told you about my strategy. Type that down. That's the strategy, right? Because it's an argument, so it has a narrative structure. When you've got that written down, that then is your strategy, which in theory you can give to anybody who needs to know it. So certainly everybody in your team, and say, read this this is what we're doing. This is how we operate. All of your decisions need to be made in the context of of this. So when you have that written down, you can do that. And then people can start to see, oh, well, because of this, I should do my job like this, not like that. But in terms of the external stuff, yeah, you're not going to hand that ugly Word document to a customer, let's say. however. The strategy only exists if the outside world, the customer, your competitors, whoever can easily perceive what your strategy is just by looking at you. So the reason that when people talk about case studies and they always use the same brands like, excuse me, like Patagonia, Nike, Tesla, IKEA, the reason that people always talk about these in the contexts of case studies, is because they're so strategically aligned and coherent and on point that you can tell what their strategy is from the outside. You don't actually need to see any internal documents to know what the game of Ikea or whoever is. It, it, it's bloody obvious. So that's what you should be aspiring to. Everybody should be able to look at your website, at you, you're offering your business, whatever. And if you ask them, what do you think my strategy is, they should actually be able to give you a pretty accurate summary of it Mm -hmm. purely by observing you. So if they can't perceive the strategy from the outside and relay it back to you, in my view, that means the strategy doesn't exist because the only reason the strategy has been created is for the purposes of the market or the customer to perceive it. So if they can't perceive it, then why even have it? Uh, so yeah, in that respect, the strategy is very much external, but you're obviously going to sort of, uh, sex it up a little bit for outside consumption. Whereas internally, you don't care about it being pretty or, or, um, or sort of elegant. You just care about it being clear so that everyone knows exactly right. Yes. That's what we're doing. And that's why we're doing it.
0: Let's talk about, um, something which is going very well for you right now, which is your content approach, you've written a book, you have a successful newsletter, and you post on LinkedIn. So we'll talk about each of those three things in turn. Let's start with um, your newsletter, because that is the crystallization of your thoughts. It's the stuff that you share um, quite frequently often a book is one and done, you know, unless it's repurposed into other kinds of content. But you're active on LinkedIn, I'm looking at one of your posts from LinkedIn yesterday about um, what is the last thing you want in your strategy. And it's got um, you've encouraged people to repost it, it's got 98, actually 189 um, engagements and 51 comments plus 11 reposts. Um, Is that average for you? Or no,
1: funnily enough, you picked out an absolute stinker there. That's one that I'm very disappointed with.
0: Okay, um, but it's from a, a purely from an outsider's perspective. It's done the job, which is to get um, people reacting to it, engaging with oh, it, yeah. commenting and sharing it.
1: I mean, obviously, you're expectations change as you go forward. So, you know, Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago, I would have been delighted with that. And now you think, oh, what was wrong with this post? Uh, Uh, but, but, but that's, but that's the game that's learning. I mean, yeah, I think that because a big part of my shtick is demystifying strategy and making it sort of like, uh, Fine and accessible and unintimidating and simple and all the rest of it. Um inherent within that is the idea that I am talking to people who don't really understand strategy very well. Now, there are, you know, if you're a world-class technical strategic practitioner, that's fine, but you're kind of gonna be The people who are going to pay attention to you and the people who are going to buy you are people who know what they're doing, which is a tiny, tiny group of people. So what about all the rest of them? So obviously that's who I'm speaking to, which includes a hell of a lot of founders and CEOs and and sort of potential clients. So within that, it makes sense that I need to be doing a lot of educational content. you know, And obviously all the content is very different uh lots of different points to be made lots of different arguments to be had but you know behind all of it is essentially just what is strategy and how do you do it you know that's going to clearly be the theme running through it so i've been uh so you know that's what the newsletter is all about that's what all of the that's what the book is about that's what the content on linkedin is about and you know by hitting people over the head uh, with it again and again and again, hopefully their understanding deepens and grows until they can start to have an intuitive feel for the discipline, which I think ultimately is what it is what it needs if you're, mm. if you're going to do it well. So I've been doing the newsletter for quite a long time, but obviously with these things, most of that time, not with any huge numbers, maybe around a thousand subs, that kind of thing for, for quite a long period of time. And then i've been doing the linkedin stuff much more recently i started that around february this year and then it only really sort of kicked off in uh, in august
0: okay so the book is one and done in in the sense that um it's a physical thing it sits on bookshelves it's also in digital format people can access it in, in in different ways um but what you're doing on a tactical basis if you will is you're producing content What is the relationship between the content in the book, the content in the newsletter and the content in your LinkedIn posts?
1: Right. Yeah. So obviously on a basic level, it's a classic funnel approach. So the LinkedIn is top of funnel. And you know, this was as an aside, I was just like, I'm sure this is something a lot of people can relate to. Like I was, before I did the social media stuff, it was a little bit random how clients and opportunities would come to me. And they always did, but it was very, every single one was out of the blue. I didn't have any sort of new business engine. I didn't have any feeling that I was actually sort of like turning a handle and churning out leads at the other end. I was just sort of sitting back and waiting for the phone to ring. And eventually it did ring, but it's not a very relaxing way of doing business. So I was like, suddenly I realized the most stupid and basic thing that you could possibly realize, but you know, we're all stupid when it comes to our own businesses, it's just, well, you know what, I have no top of funnel, like, you know, no. I mean, how are people meant to find out about me? There's no way for them to sort of enter my ecosystem. There's no easy way for them to, to ever even hear about me. I've got to do some sort of social media in my case to get people in the top of funnel. That's why I started doing the LinkedIn. So the LinkedIn is the top of funnel because obviously you're relying on the algorithm and the platform and the network effects to promo on your behalf. Then in theory, people drop through to the newsletter. So every single, not every single, most posts have got some call to action to the newsletter. So the newsletter is more my kind of inner circle. So it's more, more highly engaged people in theory. And then those people then, in theory, drop through to the book, which is the first paid product. And then a subset of them drop through to consultancy, which is obviously where all the money is made at this stage. Now, clearly, it isn't normally, it isn't always that linear. But That's the relationship that they all have. So and then, you know, obviously, the LinkedIn is the shortest form content and then the newsletter is sort of medium length contact content. And then the book is sort of long content and the beauty of the book and the relate its relationship to the newsletter and LinkedIn is that obviously every time I post a newsletter or a LinkedIn thing, it's a new random topic associated with the field, but there's no sense of like order to it. So if you want to, so it's, if you want to actually get the foundations to learn the basics, you need to actually be taken through some some fundamental content uh, to kind of like give you that that baseline knowledge. And if you do that, then all of the other content I do is much more valuable because you're applying it to this to, the, to this um to this basic structure. So the purpose, of, so what I say with the book to people is, listen, you know, the LinkedIn posts are all cool. The the newsletter stuff is good but if you want to actually just get the grounding and just like understand all the need to knows because i can't keep on repeating all of the fundamental stuff every week because it would get boring get the book read the book then you'll know more than 99% of people in the field and then after that all of the other content that i do is a kind of bonus so i think that that's a pretty good way of so every person who subscribes to the newsletter you know one of the first things they get is a Look, if you want to just catch up on what we're talking to here, buy the book. It's 138 pages. You can pretty much read it in a sitting, read that, and then uh, uh, and then you'll be all up to speed and everything else, you know, that will sort of 10x the value of any of the other stuff that I put out there.
0: I want to rewind, and I'll tell you why, because we've mentioned a couple of things which are intriguing I work with sales, so I work with sales teams. I'm familiar with that term, top of funnel. For people who are going, what is that? What funnel? What's a funnel? Can you perhaps define what that is in your world and my world and why someone needs a funnel if they're to get ultimately paid business from clients?
1: Well, I have a very basic understanding of it, and I'm sure that you would be uh Uh, much more clued up, but my, but, uh, but my basic understanding is that, uh, obviously at the most basic level, you just need people to hear about you in some way. If people don't hear about you, then no one's ever going to buy your stuff. So every business then needs some method by which people hear about it, uh, for the first time, which is not necessarily the same thing as making the sale. Clearly, they might have to hear about you a 100 times before you make the sale. So that method by which people hear about you needs to be as mass and broad reach as possible. So for a lot of businesses, the most obvious way of doing that is advertising. So the first way you'll hear about a business is an ad, because obviously you can pay and you can get in front of lots of people and then lots of people will will, will hear about you. Obviously, depending on what you're selling, there are different there are different ways of um getting that mass reach which are more or less appropriate i don't think that advertising would be appropriate in my business or in most solo consultants businesses although i do think that there are definitely some exceptions to that so then you know other ways you know you you could have a top of funnel probably that's Probably that's based on industry reputation. Maybe you have a big reputation in a particular industry because industries are obviously well networked, some of them. So you could become, you know, the consultant in this industry and you get to the point where anyone who works in that industry just knows who you are. Um, but then goes without saying, I guess that these days the most obvious and accessible top of funnel is some form of social network because that's where all the people are and they have the and it's free and they have the the algorithms are basically means by which they will put you in front of people for free the catch obviously unlike advertising is in advertising you can guarantee that reach because you just pay for it whereas on social media they will they'll only give that to you as a reward for putting out what the platform deems as valuable content. So Mm -hmm. obviously it's the most appealing one because it's free, uh, but it's also the most difficult one because the standard of what you have to put out there is so high. So for me before, like I just had ultimately the only way that people were ever hearing about me realistically was I did quite quite a lot of speaking so that was for me a very important top of funnel thing but bearing in mind you know i might speak in front of 100 people two times a year something like that so that's 200 people so it's a great good engaged audience and you can actually get a decent amount of business from that but like that's let that, to use that calculation that's 200 people a year like that is absolute garbage and then uh, on a pure numbers basis and then you might have um uh and then you might have uh obviously referrals and stuff like that. So that's another form of top of funnel. But again, that's not even 200 people. Even if you're an amazing consultant, that might be like six people or something like that. I mean, I remember like two years ago, I went on one podcast. I wasn't getting, you know, invited on a lot of podcasts because, you know, I was, who was I? Uh, And that one podcast, it had, it's a big podcast in a particular industry where I've got a decent reputation. But in the grand scheme of things, I think they were getting 500 listens an episode. So again, not huge numbers. I think that I got more work from that one podcast than I think all other forms of outreach combined over the course of like three or four years. And that's like with 500 listens. So, you know, that is now the power of obviously that initial top of funnel. And how can you maximize the number of people going into that? And for a solo consultant, it's, yeah, I've, I've been there and I've been there for many, many years cracking that. It's bloody miserable process because you are probably, of all the types of businesses out there, you're the, you're the last type of business that people actually want to hear from, essentially. So, so, you know, obviously getting big traction online, as happened to me in the last couple of months, that is, without exaggeration, that's basically like the consultant version of winning the lottery. So, you know, I'm uh, clearly quite pleased about that. But yeah, it was only four or five months ago that I had no better top of funnel than, than anyone else.
0: So for people listening, hopefully we've defined funnel. I think um, you've done a great job, Alex. It's anything which uh, helps people to go, oh, who is this? That's interesting. Tell me more about this guy. I like his posts. And then they might take some action uh, could be a follow, could be a subscribe, could be a download, could be a purchase of something which gets them into your so-called ecosystem and they start becoming regular consumers of your messaging, your content. And further down the funnel, they become some form. Ultimately, not everyone gets there, but ultimately they become a paid customer or client. Is that right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I neglected to mention the obvious. Yeah. The uh, implication is that they enter mm. a funnel where then they drop through those, drop through those things. And I guess building on that, uh, uh, a classic Alan Weiss concept, which I'm sure that everyone on here is familiar with Alan Weiss is, what does he call, does he call it? The-
0: He's been on the show. Yeah. The million dollar oh, consultant.
1: He? Oh, well, there you go. I mean, yeah, you've got to have yeah. him, but, but like his, um, I mean I don't I guess he didn't invent it but regardless it's it's the first place I heard about it the the value curve or whatever he calls it yeah. where you have different products of, of ascending value uh that is um those would obviously be existing sort of deeper and deeper down the fun- funnel so that one of the main things that I'm focusing on now is filling out my value curve so you know you know how it is as a consultant where you at the beginning you have one way of working for you which is a full-blown project for thousands and thousands. So that's like quite a high-ticket item. But what are you selling to people for $500, let's say? The answer for most consultants is maybe maybe nothing. I mean, if they're doing hourly billing, that could be like one hour or something. But in general, it's nothing. So I'm trying to fill out like, you know, I got a sort of a $10 thing, $100 thing, $500 thing, $2,000 thing, and, and on and on you go so that you can be sort of like, Uh, in the nicest possible way, exploiting people at every stage of the funnel.
0: (laughs) So it's a strategy in that sense, ultimately for us as as consultants, solopreneurs, people running our own business, listening, is to have a system that connects with people who are, uh, let's say, initially suspects, converts them to prospects, and then into paying customers.
1: Yeah, but then going back to the top of your question, let's be real, like... Hmm without a effective top of funnel without an effective way of getting that initial awareness, how the hell do you do that? I mean, I actually don't really, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really have an answer. I think you would have a much better idea of it. Cause obviously you've engaged with a lot more sort of consultants. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't like have a big network of people like me. So I'm not an expert on the, on the consultancy game, but just thinking back to what I was doing before, I suppose, ultimately the the only other way of playing the game or the way that i was playing the game is that you actually work is reasonably thin on the ground number of projects you have is reasonably thin on the ground and so you try to then just maximize the profit from every project that comes along and so you know you could be you might only be doing i mean in my case like for a long time i was doing I don't know, six or seven projects a year. So not very much, but obviously the value of those projects was pretty high. So it was still like a good, a good business in principle, but the difference between six or seven and zero is very, very small. So you're always aware that like, wow, next year, what if actually I just got no projects? What would happen then? And that always felt like a possibility. Uh, so this was something that I kind of grappled with and yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people out there, uh, uh understand that, uh, anxiety too.
0: And so interestingly, the relationship is top of funnel for you is a combination of things as referrals, which you mentioned where people say, yeah, check out Alex. He knows his topic. This is the guy for strategy. Um, you've got public speaking a little of which, um, um, you do the little which you do seems to have resulted in some work. And then you've got things which have really worked top of funnel, which is your LinkedIn content. Some posts go viral, some don't, but you're plugging away. And as you're doing that, you're getting interactions, reposts, comments, etc. And you say that then leads to the stage two of your funnel, which is your newsletter. Does that newsletter sit on LinkedIn? Because that uh, does exist as a function or feature in LinkedIn or does it f- feature on your own platform where you use LinkedIn as a jumping off point to your own website?
1: Yeah. The second one, I do my, uh, I do my, le- I do my newsletter on MailChimp, which I don't think these days is the sort of like the kind of the optimal mm-hmm. one necessarily for this kind of newsletter, but you know, it's the one that I'm sort of stuck in and I can't be bothered to change and it works fine. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, uh, <laughs> So uh so yeah no i no i i host it elsewhere obviously you obviously you want to own the data you want to own the emails i don't know if you would actually do that on linkedin so that would obviously be mm-hmm. a little bit of a precarious place to be but you know in in practice in my case i don't think that there is a very linear sort of funnel relationship i think that i get a lot of people buying the book or actually working with me on a proper project who are not subscribed to the newsletter. I don't think by any means that they all pass through that.
0: Okay. But from a a conceptual perspective, um, you post frequently on LinkedIn. That does lead people to a newsletter. Some people might go straight to stage three, which is your uh, book, and they read the book. And then stage four, I'm, I'm drawing this out in my head for myself, becomes a paid engagement. So level one, if you will bear with me, is is your top of final activity, which is a range of things, primarily LinkedIn, then to a newsletter if people subscribe, which makes sense because then you own that uh, database and you can send people whatever you like, obviously within legal parameters. And then once people have that relationship with you, they're now primed to buy something from you. And that small first step or tripwire, as it's sometimes called, is is your book. And if people really like that, they're more likely to say, hey, Alex, I have a project, and uh, would you like to come and do some work for us?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's That's definitely the theory. And the only other layer that I would add to it is that, obviously, one of the beauties of playing the game this way is that, when it comes to high ticket consultancy work, there actually aren't very many potential clients out there in sheer numbers. You know, there just aren't many people who can push the button on 30, 40, 50K, whatever of a project. Uh, so, so, you want to have something to offer to other types of customer as well. So the people who 99 Point nine percent of people who buy my book will never, ever, ever, and could never, ever, ever hire me for consultancy. So before I had the book, I didn't have any way of monetizing those people, but now I do. And so then you've got, so you've got people with different situations, different um, levels of spending power throughout your sort of uh, ecosystem. And so you think, okay, how can I give something to people at every single one of those layers? Because, uh, and then you know you got people who are, who can only afford to spend ten dollars, and then you've got people who actually they could afford to spend five hundred, but they're never going to spend five grand, let's say. So you think, okay, how can I pluck off all of those people? Uh, and I haven't like fully, I haven't, I haven't sort of fully built that engine yet. But that's very much my priority at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. So to what you're saying, to the point of what you're saying. There is an opportunity once people have engaged with you, they like you, they trust you in a a way. Um, It's now a question of segmentation and saying, what could I do in terms of selling people something that's valuable to them at the price they can afford it? And that could perhaps be a course. It could be something physical. It could be um, something like uh, an ebook, or, or some kind of one-to-one consultancy, or it could be literally some kind of workshop, so different things. Um, right now, what, what are you selling that, that people are buying? Let's put it that way. Is it, is it paid engagement in a, in a consultancy capacity or something else?
1: Yeah, I still don't have as much kind of granularity as I would like. So it really is at the moment. There's a, at the moment, there's a giant leap from the book which I have no idea how many copies it's sold because of the way that the publishing industry works is so unbelievably antiquated, but it's thousands for sure. And then after that, the next level is I have a, I have developed some, so my proper projects are, 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 you know, they're developed for established businesses who can do quite a serious piece of work, which is in the, you know, sort of in the kind of $40,000 forty thousand to hundred thousand dollar kind of territories there aren't many of those people about so I tried to um so I I tried to develop a couple of things for uh for smaller businesses as well just simply because there are so many more of them so I have a a call product literally just a, a call basically to kick around this strategy that's my sort of lowest level um consulting engagement and then I have a similar thing which is an entire day of work. And then after that, you jump up to a sort of proper project, which in my case, you know, I don't do any hourly billings or anything like that. All of my projects are completely open-ended, take as long as they take. You're buying the the output, you're not buying my time. So that that would be a sort of proper project. So that is obviously still the lifeblood of the business. There. And it actually, as a funny aside, it's worth pointing out that even with all of this funnel talk, the 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 gold standard clients who are doing the really big, serious work and projects, those are actually still coming to me through, for the most part, quite random ways. They aren't coming through the funnel, right? So um, I'm not saying it's not happening at all, but the majority of those clients are not finding me on LinkedIn and then wheedling their way through. They're they're, they're coming through
0: much more unpredictable routes. So that hasn't changed. And that's a great point to end on, actually, which is the fact that having a strategy means having an opinion, having an argument, having a view. It's not one and done or once and done. It's something that you update. And when you, as a consultant or trainer, coach, facilitator running your own business, you'll adapt. You'll learn, hey, that's where my Activities should be prioritized because that's the thing that brings in clients. This is the thing that gets people to ring my phone. This is the thing that gets people to email me. This is the thing that works for me. Um, so that, that, to my mind, harkens back to your book, which is No Bullshit Strategy, which means rather than having some someone else's view, and it's so easy these days to be enamored with people on Instagram and say, oh, I must have an Instagram channel. I must have Snapchat or something. It's about saying, what is the thing that works for me? What is the thing that, um, if I design it, is a, a funnel that I could work with? I can produce something that um, is valuable to an audience, gets them to be aware of what I do, what I, what my views are, and then slowly gets them to do the next logical action, which could be something else. It could be something random. It could be something uh, logical. and uh, And it sounds like, in your perspective, is actually a system there where people, first of all, like you on LinkedIn. You've got a huge number of followers right now, about forty thousand, I think. And then they are you're taking them off LinkedIn, which is clever, onto your own site to get them into your Mailchimp um, mail database, which then gets interaction with you privately, if you will, off, off platform. That may or may not lead to something, but at least it's a conversation which uh, you control. And then you have a book, which, of course, helps because that provides credibility and communicates your ideas in a format that many people like. And Some people might just jump straight from, let's say, um, your book into something else or might never go through the funnel, to your point. But having a funnel is better than having no funnel, I think. And then ultimately, the whole goal of any strategy as a consultant or trainer or someone running their own business is to have paid clients because that's the stuff that you know pays bills. So, at the bottom of the funnel, we really want something where people are willing to pay for it, they understand it, get value from it, and hopefully refer other people to you. Um, so, thank you for talking us through that. I think that's really, really helpful as a concept. And I think that um, it's, it's clarified in my mind what a lot of us need to do and do more of, which is be really clear on our strategy because we have to generate business if we're working for other people, they pay us a salary. If we're working for ourselves, we have to generate that income. And that means having a strategic viewpoint and some kind of system in the form of a funnel. And to you, it sounds like it's going gangbusters right now. For now, for now, and I, and I want to really re-emphasize something that you said there,
1: because it's just such an important point, which is like you've... You've got to do what suits you, not what is working for other people. And the only reason that I can do this, and this is just, this is the big, not the big secret. It's like the big unspoken truth in all of this is that, like, it just so happens in my case that I find writing, writing in particular, to be incredibly easy. Like I could write you a thousand word essay in 15 minutes without blinking about whatever. So this is just a particular thing about me. Right. Um, and so therefore that is a very useful thing to have. If you're going to build your whole engine as I have on written content, people say to me, why don't you have a podcast and the answer or whatever. And the answer is that like, well, you know, I don't think I could do that very naturally. That, that sounds like quite hard work to me. Uh, whereas, like, I can just bash out any old written content but, uh, without thinking about it. So, this then means that I can write a newsletter every week, which is normally like a thousand words, maybe even fifteen hundred words. And then this means I can do content every single day on LinkedIn without sweating over it. So the content. So so you know, I may be spending thirty minutes a day, let's say, on churning that stuff out. So that's enough time to actually still do the rest of my work, and then I can produce this huge volume of. Of stuff. Now, if you're a person who can't bash out a good post in 20, 30 minutes, then you cannot play the game. You just can't play the game. That's fine because there'll be a different game that you can play. And you know, you just see people sweat. You just see people sweating this stuff and working so hard. And you look at some of it, maybe on LinkedIn or whatever, and you're like, "Mate, your issue is that you actually just can't really write, uh, or you clearly don't like to write, but you're just doing it because it's something that you think." that you should be doing this isn't to say that obviously you can't improve i mean it helped me that i had like seven years of writing a newsletter that basically nobody read under my belt going into this so Mm -hmm. that's pretty bloody useful training uh but you just you just got to make it easy for yourself
0: alex where can people find out more about you
1: well so um uh, linkedin is the top of funnel so you can go there first which is uh uh, my name's alex smith so it's obviously difficult that's why i'm alex m h smith on linkedin just to make the searchability easier so there's that or you could so, j- cut out the middleman and subscribe to the newsletter and if you go to my website all of that stuff is there which is um basic arts that's basic a r t s and yeah you'll find all the bits and pieces there and of course some stuff about the book as well if you wanna check that out
0: Alex, thank you again for being my guest on the show. Wonderful. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it was real real fun. That's it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning in. And forgive me for the funny audio this week because I'm traveling right now. And this is a recording actually between flights. So there is a next episode or a fresh episode next Thursday. Until then, look after yourself. Keep going. Keep selling. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.